0: Let's start out with a continuation of this morning's press conference uh, on restorative justice. Not all of you covered it. Um, The folks from your respective employers who covered it may or may not want to have uh, these comments or find them useful, but there's something uh, that I wanted to share at that press conference, and it has to do with the issue of restorative justice and it has to do with the question of recidivism. Last year we did an analysis of young adults up to age 25 and looking at disparity in arrest records and looking at uh, the, the challenges we face in bringing correct, corrections to and improvements to the existing criminal justice system. One of the things that we noticed was there was a significant difference in regards to recidivism among whites and African-Americans. Another thing that we noticed was that those with access to various services, whether it was consulting, whether it was restorative justice programs, uh, were likely to do better. And another thing that we noticed was that quite often uh, young people, young people who uh, were likely to be ignored by the system, and by that I mean instead of no counseling, no alternatives, but instead just paying a fine, were to be dismissed, sent out the door, only to re-enter it, at a future date. And so when we look at this present commitment uh, to work with the, the youngest offenders, ages 12 to 16, this truly may be an important step in rectifying the problems in our criminal justice system and halting the revolving door and the record of recidivism which not only leads to increased arrests, but also arrests for more serious offenses. So, with that, let's, let's turn to the capital budget. Uh, I received requests for the 2016 capital budget totaling almost $200 million. The property tax is uh, necessary to service that level of debt and the the cost of operation is simply not sustainable. As a result, I had to make cuts of almost $70 million in those requests, leaving us with a focus of a few key criteria which, in the end, did not result in much flexibility in putting in important programs for the city, and particularly programs uh, that I've tried to develop over the last four, four and a half years. This is a very frustrating outcome, having attempted year after year to bring financial stability to city budgets in the hope that we could make new investments in activities and projects that would lead to a more sustainable community, a more inclusive community, and one which would open the economy to every Madisonian. But the project limitations meant we had to first continue projects that were already under construction. We couldn't leave them half done. There are projects which we receive federal funds and uh, to, to not uh, continue and complete those projects and to give up the federal funds would have long-term disastrous financial consequences. There's, of course, critical infrastructure needs. And lastly, uh, I wanted to make sure we made investments in improving racial equity and social justice in allocating city resources. The general obligation borrowing in this budget recommendation is $14 million uh, less than the 2015 capital budget and it would be $24 million lower if short-term TID 25 debt is excluded. However, many projects uh, have to be delayed and are not included. They include neighborhood centers, Public safety facilities, the reconstruction of Monroe Street, a project that I've worked very hard to see completed, the public market, and a biodigester. These projects are important but need to be balanced against the overall city priorities including our debt service which has been a major issue for the last half dozen years now what is included in this budget would be our commitment to six million dollars for affordable housing to meet our long-term goals associated with Housing First to house low-income families chronically homeless individuals included is a new park shelter for Penn Park the reconstruction of McKenna Boulevard, which uh, in its present form is a very dangerous crossing for hundreds of children, many low income, making their way to Elver Park. There's a first step in here of $350,000 for healthy food development in underserved neighborhoods. We must, for reasons of, of of health and safety, ensure that every neighborhood has a walkable local fresh food outlet. Included is 140000 for a full-length basketball court at L.I. Drive. Other program priorities, many of which are uh, in the categories I described earlier, related to Ongoing projects that need to be completed. Uh, almost $8 million for the public safety radio system, almost $5 million as a first step towards renovating the Landmark Municipal Building, uh, which we own and which is, is in dangerous uh, condition and badly in need of repair and restoration almost 2 million dollars to meet the challenge of the emerald ash borer 600,000 in our ongoing efforts to create a cooperative business enterprise system in Madison and even though it's lower than I'd committed in previous years we are probably still the city with the uh, strongest and and deepest commitment to developing cooperative business enterprises involving worker ownership. Ten million dollars is a first step for the satellite bus maintenance and storage facility which is so critical to keeping our public transit system uh, in, in good repair. And keep in mind we've got already a significant number of buses that do not fit into uh, the existing facility and uh, this is one item that is contingent upon federal support we may well know uh, the condition of our grant application before final adoption of this budget in which case we can make appropriate changes depending on the outcome. There's a modest capital budget commitment as a first step towards the construction of a new Uh, Penny Branch Library. There is the already uh, uh, examined and studied $25 million commitment for the new parking ramps as part of the Judge Doyle Square Project. Uh, Something that will be needed whether uh, the present proposal goes forward or not. And we're continuing with the $1.5 million commitment for starting block which is important uh, to Madison's economic future. There is the uh, continued commitment for bicycle paths and within all these these projects uh, is a respect for the people who pay the bills, the people who expect services, who don't ask for too much, and uh, a commitment to future generations as we continue to wrestle with the real challenges of rising debt service. Uh, if you look at the handout, I believe it's on page... Uh, well, I don't believe it, so I'll find it. On page... Uh, is it either 11 or 12? where you have the, uh, the graph of debt service projections. Now, the graph itself already starts off the top. And by that, I mean our debt service should be at 12 to 12.5%. And as you can see, we're starting at 13.5%. The red line, which goes up to upward of 21.5%, based on the adopted capital budget from last year, is totally unacceptable, irresponsible, unsustainable, and will not meet the city's goals of equity and justice. I've done my best. To lower that line, and you can see it in the the lowest line, which keeps us under 17%. 17.5%, which is still unacceptable. But this is all the product of years and years of thinking that by including everything in the budget, we're making everyone happy. Well, including everything in the budget particularly the long-term budgets the capital improvement plans projections now puts us in a situation where these kinds of cuts are absolutely necessary so with that I'll be glad to take any questions how do you expect uh, the council will take the budget I don't know Um, they have not taken such proposals well in the last four years. And on the one hand, um, there's no reason to believe anything should change for 2016. On the other hand, uh, the situation is more serious than ever. And so... Perhaps reality will, will set in. Somebody has to be responsible around here. Last year you didn't end up signing the budget. What changes um, to your budget right now would cross the line to make you not, have, not sign it again? Anything significant in a change here will certainly uh, draw a veto. No question about that. A, a repeat of last year will get a veto. Do you think Alder uh, DeMarb's efforts to sort of change how the, the budget process is, how people get the information about it will, will help with that? I, I, I take heart in the uh, effort of Alderwoman DeMarb to, to get the council better uh, educated and informed about budget decisions and the consequences. That is optimistic, but I really don't see what's changed in that all of the information that was digested and presented this summer has been repeatedly presented over the last four and a half years. What's your uh, reaction to the vote last night on the, um, the institution of the loitering ban here at the city-county building? Um, let's, let's deal with that when we're done with the budget discussion, but I'll be glad to answer that later a year ago, you were looking at Midtown in I think it was 2017. I wasn't. And following the budget discussion. So now, why move that out all the way to 2022? Because it was in the capital budget. The City sure? Council moved, moved it up mm-hmm. along with other projects. Well, as a consequence of moving other things up over the last several years and constantly trying to Make the budget a document that made everyone happy without any uh, real grasp of the financial limitations of, of the people of Madison. Uh, it is necessary to push so many of these projects out into the future. It's not just a police station; it's a really critical neighborhood facility we had had hoped would exist on the east side. It's it's a fire. Station. Uh, it's the public market, which, in my view, uh, in terms of the future economy of this community and its, it's robust nature, uh, to, to make sure we have an inclusive economy and inclusive recognition of health, all of those have suffered. <clears throat> would pass with all the wish lists. Why don't you try and enumerate how it would play out? What is the worst-case scenario? What happens? Well, the worst-case scenario would be uh, an adoption of a budget that clearly exceeded uh, exceeded the, the limitations in what I've presented and would not properly Prioritize uh, recognizing what I outlined in terms of we don't want to squander federal money, which is so scarce. We have to complete projects which uh, are partially under construction. We have to recognize that the capital budget must more accurately reflect the needs of a diverse community. If that were to occur, bond ratings get downgrade. I mean, where? Well, our bond rating. I I, I met. Uh, I, I met with the people who are responsible for our bond rating a couple of weeks ago. Our revenues are strong in regards to uh, the property tax. We have a healthy property tax base that continues to grow. Uh, it's not uh, filled with dilapidated and deteriorating uh, improvements, uh, buildings, as you see in other cities. I mean, the worst case of that is, is Detroit. Um, there are a lot of variables that go into a bond rating. One of the most significant is the ratio of debt service uh, to, to the overall operating budget. That has been our strength. For over 45 years, 40 years. Um, it's not a disaster, but it's not the strength it once was. In the meantime, there are other criteria that go into determining a bond rating and the addition of all of the new housing construction and office construction we're experiencing certainly helps us. It helps our ratios in regards to size of property tax base to the size of our operating budget. Uh, It helps uh, in, in regards to our value per capita. So we've still got some other variables you know, it's, it's, it's sort of being a, a, a five-tool uh, baseball player uh, who's got a great batting average, scores a lot of runs, drives a lot of runs in, steals a lot of bases, uh, hits a lot of homers. Well, our batting average uh, has dropped uh, significantly. But we're still doing all right in these other categories. Whether or not they will be adequate to sustain us, I can't answer. I can tell you that if we get to 17, 18 uh, percent, we'll be hitting like rob deer. For those of you who don't know, Rob Deere could manage to hit 170 in a season and uh, hit 25 home runs. How much of the proposed Judge Joe Square project would come from general obligation borrowing? I can't tell you that without looking at the document. I can't do that off the top. Why is it? Uh, I know you had said you wanted to delay the vote on the Judge Doyle Square. Yes. Um, why is that? Because we don't have an acceptable agreement. Uh, I mean, I would have to recommend that the whole project be turned down if we were to have a vote tonight. Uh, let's let's understand something. I, I truly believe that this project would, would uh, be a great asset to the city. And that if we had difficulties in negotiating um, in negotiating the final agreement those difficulties would uh, revolve around the numbers uh, the various cost items, the various division of responsibility in terms of expenditures that part is sound but we don't have two critical items we don't have the uh, labor agreement and we don't have the uh, agreement that if the hotel is not constructed within a reasonable period of time, the title to the land reverts to the city. And so you think we can get that figured out in the next two weeks? There's not a lot to figure out. We know what we need. If, if we don't get it within two weeks... I assume we don't have a project, and we go back to uh, uh, working on two separate projects. One would be uh, the hotel parking lot on this site, and the other is to do our best to ensure that exact science uh, builds somewhere in the city of Madison. What do you think? You're, you're continually. I mean, this is an ongoing issue with you, that this debt service, I, I mean, is the council just saying, oh, it's a chicken little thing, the sky is not falling. I mean, is there any? You can't argue with the numbers. The numbers that we projected and predicted four years ago have turned out. Um, the, the challenges have uh, not gone away. They've they've gotten as large as we we suggested, and it's more or less you know like wandering out on a recently frozen uh, uh, fro- you know, recently frozen lake. Um, you know as you as you go further and further away from shore, it's getting thinner and thinner, and eventually you're going to fall in. that it in the budget. Uh, in regards to the City County Liaison Committee, I'm, I'm pleased with their decision. Uh, have we solved all the problems? Obviously not. Our biggest challenge, our biggest challenge is to tell the truth about the city's commitment to affordable housing and what we are doing in terms of the millions of dollars that are in this year's budget that we're recommending in next year's budget for our our Housing First commitment, the construction of hundreds and hundreds of units. Um, There's the millions of dollars of support services that we provide, and as I've outlined since 2011, there are a significant number of people arriving in this community who uh, have severe mental illness and substance abuse problems, And those statutorily responsible are obviously not doing a sufficient job. Uh, The dangers to the community cannot go ignored. I I can't believe that elected officials get up there and totally ignore um, the sexual assaults, the fights, the knifings, the discarded hypodermic needles in areas where children play, The feces and urine in places where people eat, it's just unacceptable. And as we've learned from the accounts of other cities that have our same challenges, which include not yet having enough permanent housing to completely uh, ensure that everyone is off the streets, you can still have rules of behavior, which says thou does not rape, thou does not Uh, knife thy neighbor. Are you at all concerned that some of these other cities that have um, instituted or proposed these sort of same loitering bans have been challenged uh, in the courts? One of the beauty of, of our open system and democracy is that we can tell the truth. The U.S. Justice Department did not take a position that banning someone from sleeping in a public space was unconstitutional. What they said was that it is unconstitutional if there is no place to sleep. Now, number one, our proposals apply to a limited geographic area they do not apply at night and there is room at the inn there is room at porch light we talked to homeless people and advocates the thing that they keep bringing up over and over is we need a wet shelter I'm not even sure what that is but what they're saying is the principles of Housing First, and we are the ones who brought it into the budget. The principle is that in terms of permanently solving the challenges of, of intoxication, people need housing. So therefore, you do not make it a requirement that before you get into housing, you must be sober. And this is how Housing First works in Arizona, it's how Housing First works in Utah, it is how Housing First works throughout the country, which is people are admitted to the housing and then we deal with their most severe issues of substance abuse and of mental illness. But the corollary to that is not you ignore those things until they're housed that doesn't mean it's open season on any behavior and any consequence of that misbehavior. As uh, I've discussed it with two psychiatrists, with the exception of schizophrenics, the vast majority of mentally ill people can live with rules and responsibility, and in fact, not having them is in the worst interest of those people, but we got homeless advocates in this community who don't grasp that principle. Uh, don't Don't get it. All they can do is uh, express a uh, need for a society with no rules, no consequences, and that is undermining everything we're doing particularly our desire to make Housing First work because one of the toughest things to do is to convince the chronically homeless, particularly those with mental illness and substance abuse, to move into the housing. And so the longer this goes on, as the housing's completed, it will be even tougher to get them in there. Um, and that's, that's evident from what we're experiencing now. Uh, a number of folks on the steps of city-county building have been offered housing and refused it. And those who did accept it either deliberately or unintentionally sabotaged it and got thrown out because of very dangerous behaviors. Earlier you were laying out some of the issues that um, have been going on down sure. here on the steps in this area. A lot of what you said sounded like illegal activity. Um, wh- why, can't, why can't it just become a legal, a legal option, like have the police respond to these activities? Because it's, it's a, also a function of group dynamics. And what we want to do is prevent this before it occurs. And it's very difficult Uh, to do that in the present environment. I mean, you know, when somebody uh, within the group pulls out a knife, when we get someone who's recently arrived in Madison and they go over by the UW campus and attempt to rape a woman, uh, what, what our obligation is is to significantly reduce the probability of that occurring. And as... One of the most successful operators of a program has told us, and it's been repeated and repeated and repeated, you're better off with ten groups of four people rather than one group of 40. The collective behavior is going to escalate with the larger group, and that's what we've seen in terms of the violence, in terms of the threats to passers-by. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure serving you.